My name's Stephen Downey and you are very welcome to episode 47 of the Mindful Living Guide, the podcast that brings mindfulness into your everyday life. Uh, you've you've had such a break from the podcast. Um, I just want to give you an update on what's been going on. So back in March, I took a break uh, to hopefully write my book. I thought it would be all finished by now, but unfortunately we've had a few stumbling blocks over the last few months and uh, we're working through them. Uh, but I am said that I wanted to get back and start recording a few more episodes of the podcast because uh, it's where my passion is. I really love uh, talking to people and just chatting about mindfulness, about mindset, about self-care, compassion, all those great things that we often leave behind when we're uh, hardening ourselves. And our first week back is a great example of that. Uh, I'm chatting to a lovely lady called Sinead Kennedy. Uh, she's a relationship coach, a psychotherapist, and she talks us over a lot of stuff uh, about our relationship, but not just in building relationships with other people, but starting with herself and getting to know her inner self and um, those challenges that many of us have to overcome uh, in life to uh, to build a great relationship with herself. Uh, so it's a lovely, lovely episode. Uh, I really enjoy talking to Sinead. Uh, she's a lovely, lovely person. And uh, I really hope you, you get something from it too. So please... Sit back and enjoy this week's episode of The Mindful Living Guide. I am excited to have Sinead Kennedy on the show today as we return back from an extended break. Uh, Sinead is a relationship coach. She works with women who want to break free from toxic relationships, build confidence, and attract the right partner. Uh, Sinead is also a qualified psychotherapist and work with works with people struggling with anxiety. Sinead, you're so welcome to the Mindful Living Guide. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's it's been great, and I I just love the fact that I can I t- I took a, an extended break there for a while from the show, but that there's there's always people out there that I'd love to chat to, and I'm really appreciate that you you got in contact with me uh, to come on the show and and chat about. About yourself and your own journey as well and when we were kind of chatting before and one thing that kind of really jumped out at me is that you were saying that mindfulness was what got start got you started on your journey uh into where you are now um do you mind bringing us back there and we'll start off with kind of what mindfulness meant to you at the very start and where it came from yeah sure um well i think anybody well, most people that go into kind of helping other people tend to come from having a, I suppose, a struggle that they've gone through themselves. And um, for me, mindfulness was kind of the first step of my own kind of personal development or healing journey, if you want to call it that. Um, but I kind of I went through a period of time where I felt quite lost in my life Um I was in a job where I was being bullied by somebody um, and I just was looking for something, you know, to, I knew something had to change. I was riddled with anxiety and to the point where I was having panic attacks quite frequently. And I think it just kind of came to a point where I was like, something has to change, but I don't know how or or what. And, and I think uh, my confidence was so low from I suppose my experience with bullying as well that it was like oh god like where what is that first step and where do I go and 
um a person in my life is uh a life coach um he's actually my stepfather but, um, and it was interesting because he he would always kind of spout stuff about positive living and all of that but I think I was in a place where I just wasn't ready to hear that yeah, it's so important that you have to be ready to listen to this stuff if if you're not it just doesn't flow it doesn't come exactly exactly and um but then I suppose I reached a point where I was just like look anything to change where I'm at because yeah. yeah and I suppose he was quite big into mindfulness and it was something that was talked a lot about in my house um and I suppose I thought well sure let's let's give it a go and yeah. I started kind of reading a little bit about it mm-hmm. following things on social media and um, meditating and then um, and I suppose the whole concept behind it as well of like being more in the present, because I think when you have an anxious mind, you're always thinking about the future and the what ifs and all of these scenarios play out in your mind all of the time. And you spend so much of your time in the future that living in the present was something that was so alien to me. I didn't know what that even meant. So, so yeah, I think then mindfulness was this, um yeah as I said the first stepping stone into kind of trying to live a more peaceful life (laughs) yeah um it's it's amazing though that um so many people feel that um they get to kind of a a low part in their life and they're they're searching for something and that like I I I kind of similar kind of thing I had a very low time in my life and when I was I literally was having uh, a lot of anxiety as well mm-hmm. in work and uh, I ended up in hospital and that's where I kind of said right I need to do something and that's where mindfulness suddenly came along and uh, mm-hmm. I, I always think it just it, got, it, it it just arrives at the time when it's meant to arrive you know it's it, it gets there yeah. and uh, so you went on you did a course then in mindfulness then as well didn't you or yeah yeah so I suppose I'd seen how putting some of it into practice although I was I suppose a, a novice if you want to say I don't know we're always practicing we're all exactly we're all beginners (laughs) yeah and so um I was I wanted to learn more about it and I suppose it was helping me so I was kind of thinking well maybe if more people you know knew about this or whatever then maybe I it's something that I could help other people with too so I did a course with I think it was the Mindfulness Institute of Ireland um in the therapeutic use of mindfulness classic so you had to bring but, that into your own uh, your own work and your own practice then? Yeah, exactly. Um, I suppose I hadn't trained as a psychotherapist then. So it was, again, a stepping stone in, into that for me as well. Um, but that those few days of doing like really intensive um, mindfulness training and seeing how um, you can bring it into every area of your life. You know, it doesn't have to just be sitting down and meditating for hours that you can, you know, take those mindful moments in the day that really help your your mind to change. That, that's such an important part of it as well is that um, I think one of the big barriers to mindfulness is that people think that it's an, an extra activity we do as part of our day where the real magic comes when we start integrating into it and just in and our approach to life and uh, mm. how, how we're responding to those those things around us yeah absolutely and like I think I remember saying to somebody years ago like 
you know, how many of us kind of go, and I used to definitely be one of these people, you know, you're walking to work or whatever, and it's so autopilot, you forget, you know, you don't really remember even how you got there and what route you took, um, you know, what you saw, what kind of um, things were in your surroundings in the day because you're so caught up in your own head. And um, and like even, you know, having music on all of the time, I know that that can be therapeutic for people, but I think for me, it was a very much kind of like not living in the present. It was okay, uh, uh, you know, whereas now I can walk and kind of listen to the birds and, and listen to nature and it really helps ground me. But these are just such simple things that actually really change your life. Yeah, it's it's amazing that like I think that that autopilot that kicks in all the time. It's we can miss so much in life. Um, when when I used to work in the city centre, I used to go and walk every day, and I used to challenge myself to just find something new each day. And I do the same loop every single day, but just yeah. to just kind of look. And it's when you kind of create that heightened awareness. Um. It's amazing so many things that happen because I think our autopilot is it's when we're kind of we're deep in the in the mind and we're we're not we're not really thinking, but that that awareness um kind of allows us to kind of think outside outside the box and outside what's going on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And being more trying to be more in our bodies as well. You know, we spend so much time in our heads, and I again was definitely one of those to the point where my mind was buzzing all of the time and I mean, I know I got to a point where I was like, I just, I need this to end. Like, I don't know how to, I'd lived my life for quite a period of time like that, that I didn't know what it was like to have a peaceful mind, you know. Um, but you're, you're constantly like, thinking of all the, the, the what ifs and the other yeah. scenarios. It's, yeah, um, it's a, I'm reminded of, um, there's a, an old Buddha um, teaching uh, called the, um, but a stage called the 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 tale of the two arrows, and the whole idea behind this is that um, if someone's shot with an arrow, there's obviously an injury and there's uh, there's pain from that. But what we as humans often do is that we shoot ourselves with multiple second, third, and fourth arrows of all the consequences and all the catastrophizing and overthinking scenarios and thinking and that. Many times when, when something goes wrong for us and um, what can build anxiety within our bodies is that it's um, it's all those what ifs, it's all those extra scenarios that we're thinking about. And uh, that's one one great thing I find about mindfulness as well. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I was definitely a cool, <laughs> I definitely did that to myself on kind of the, yeah, the like, especially when you're living your life in the future all of the time and you're thinking about all the what if thoughts you're you know you think you're trying to prepare yourself for the worst case scenario mm. but really you're just living it again yeah. and again and again you're creating that scenario when you're in your mind each time oh definitely and yeah. i mean our, our minds don't know the difference between what we visualize and what's happening in the here and now so you are literally like your body is responding as if it's happening all the time. So your nervous system is just, you know, in that kind of fight or flight survival response all mm-hmm. of the time. And that's how I lived for yeah, a long time. So things have things have changed. It's obviously that's not the way you live your life anymore. <laughs> and um the you've gone on and you said you tra- you trained in psychotherapy and you're you're now a psychotherapist helping people in, with relationships. 
And um, one thing I, I, when I was looking up at some of the parts that you work on, and one thing that I think will help an awful lot of people on this call or on this uh, on this podcast episode is um, people pleasing. Would you be yeah. able to talk about people pleasing and how, like, like the effect that has on people? Because I, I, I'm from one. I am hundred percent guilty of always. I think no for me has always been one of the hardest words in the world to say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and similarly, I would have been the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I think it depends. I mean, for a lot of people, maybe, uh, definitely for me, I think maybe being the eldest in my family, right. um, it was... I was always kind of looking after maybe other people and putting my needs last. Um, and I think, yeah, people pleasing is definitely something that a lot of people struggle with. Um, what, advice mean, they, would, what advice would you have for someone that's looking for help um, to, I think when we say, try, sorry, try to set boundaries and for people pleasing, um, a lot of people think it's literally, colors comes down and it's no uh how yeah. would you advise them to gradually build kind of the skills to not people please anymore yeah i mean nothing is black and white and i think we get caught in that like okay. real black and white thinking that like okay if i'm learning to say no it's no mm. when when really i mean your boundaries are going to look different for each relationship that you have um and that's okay um, but I think with practicing, I suppose it's accepting that it's going to be uncomfortable, you know, to begin with, particularly if, you know, your boundaries are non-existent um, and trying to think about your own needs, you know, for a lot of people, if again, maybe that's something that you've never really thought about Um it's always been about other people and their needs that it can be really difficult to even maybe detach yourself from other people and think about yourself as an individual and what your needs look like not your family's needs not your friend's needs like your needs as a human being and being able to look after them and um with with setting boundaries and with being able to say no and with what what practice you know and as I said kind of not thinking about it in a really black and white way but like how can I learn to express my opinion a bit more how can I learn to um uh yeah contribute to conversations maybe sometimes people take a step back because they think that's what people want people want the space to talk when maybe there's a part of you that wants to be involved in that conversation too um yeah I mean thinking about I suppose what what your own needs are and how you might be able to kind of uh look after them absolute sense it's like it's but it's 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 the type of stuff that when we don't think about it like we just take it for granted that it's always going to be this way but there is subtle differences that we can bring into our life um that will will help with this and it's like when speaking to people like yourself um about kind of what what kind of things we can do uh to to embrace that um the and 
like it's I know like you work with a lot of people from from a relationship point of view as well and from relationship yeah. coaches at, uh, coaching and I'm sure a lot of that is about is it would, would I be right in saying it, about finding your own identity as well um Absolutely. yeah I mean I think your relationship with yourself is a very good indicator of the relationships you allow into your life I mean, if you have beliefs about yourself that are negative, then you tend to tolerate behaviors and people that maybe affirm those negative beliefs to you or kind of, I suppose, a good example, like in my life, one of my kind of negative beliefs that are limiting beliefs that tend to kind of come up is, is that I'm stupid. It was just one that I used to have. And then I would allow people to treat me in that way um similar to my the person uh, in work that was bullying me used you know that's how I used to feel but I used to allow that behavior because that's kind of how I felt about or what I feared about myself so it's it's like having that thought is and then allowing it is justifying the feeling that you're having within yourself exactly yeah reaffirming like reaffirming yeah 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 but if you're unaware of it, you know, I suppose it's really easy for me to talk about that now when I talk about when it's kind of on reflection, you know, yeah. but in the moment, sometimes that can be very difficult or it's it's unconscious. You know, you just know that there's an unease within yourself and um, you're not living in the way that you want to. And sometimes it can be difficult to kind of unearth all of that for yourself. Yeah. yeah. And it's, I think it's, it's about concentrate on your, your inner values and kind of what, what really does, well, like what, what, what life means to you inside. I think, and it kind of goes back to what we're saying about autopilot, that we're kind of, a lot of us are going through life and just going from day to day and just mm-hmm. in that autopilot, we're not stepping back and kind of saying, right, well, what do I really want from this life? And uh, what really matters to me? And I think when we start concentrating on our values on our inner, inner beliefs and, um, yeah. that's when we can we can grow as a person in this way yeah and I mean if you think about like as you say kind of living on autopilot or being kind of in your anxious mind like you're always kind of reactive you're not slowing down enough to be able to really identify those things and I suppose that's where sometimes you know looking for help in that area can help you to really uh know what it feels like to slow down or you know sometimes we don't even know what we're looking for that's where yeah yeah um, and like a a massive part of this um and something i've often talked about uh on the show a lot is about compassion and self-compassion and i'm sure that that comes a lot in a lot of your work does it yeah yeah absolutely i mean um i would uh it's supposed to take a lot from kristen kristen neff's uh work and um yeah definitely I mean again it's like self-compassion is part of self-care for me anyway um and when we can learn to kind of receive kindness and compassion from ourselves then it's easier to be kind and compassionate with other people and to receive kindness and, and compassion from other people 
it's so important. It's um, it's like I was, I was only um talking to someone earlier on. Um, there's a practice for people who aren't familiar with called loving kindness within uh mindfulness, mm-hmm. and it's where we would send um want to remember just just positivity to to somebody and um i know when we start to practice it we always pick um someone who we have a uncomplicated relationship with so somebody that okay. it's it's not a family member often <laughs> it's someone that you just interact with day to day um and that's easy to start with to actually send um compassion to someone else but um i remember during uh, my own teaching practice and one part where we had to um in our mind, we uh, as we brought that person in, we then brought ourselves in beside that person and put our arm around them and send, send compassion to the both of us. And mm. then we gradually let that other person fade away. And I'd say 90% of the people in our class, probably more, probably other 10% probably didn't admit it, but really, really struggled with when mm. we let that other person go away and try to send self-compassion to ourselves. Um, that... It's just something I think as humans, we just really struggle with. Yeah, yeah. And like even, you know, when I work with people around their inner critic and, you know, that really critical, harsh voice that's in our minds and they they think about, you know, what if that was a, a friend kind of saying that to you or, you know, when you can see how maybe they would never speak to a friend in the way that they speak to themselves or that if a friend was saying that to them that maybe they would fight back or you know they would get defensive over it whereas when it's the voice that's in your mind it's a little different it's it's kind of like we we let it away with so much yeah yeah absolutely Um, but it's sorry Sorry, it's funny just you mentioned the loving kindness thing because I remember doing that um, in my own, uh, uh, when I was training to be a psychotherapist and um, they, I suppose they were really challenging us in that way and they told us to pick somebody that, quote unquote, you hated or really disliked. That's the extreme. It was was a struggle. It was a struggle. But I did think it definitely helped with, forgiveness work and being able to kind of let go of that resentment or things you're holding on to kind of uh, I, I think it's one of the most powerful things you can do um that sometimes we can hold on to so much hate um there was a, a time in my life where there were certain people all right that um I could have spent the rest of my life just I would anger and hate inside us and unless you can and it takes a lot of work to mm. gradually um send love and kindness to someone you just don't like um i'm actually working on a challenge at the moment um i'm going to be uh, launching soon that and it's it's over 75 days where you have to pick a different person every single day to send love and kindness to and mm. uh you can start to you can start with your friends your family but when you get to 75 days you're going to be struggling <laughs> with people that you like and um so it's a uh, it's an i think it's a good challenge to kind of uh, to gradually build up because yeah. it's like it's not I'm sure you you found it yourself it's not easy to like go from sending it to your best friend to send it to the person who caused you trauma in your life uh but it can be so liberating yeah absolutely and I mean I suppose that's what they talk about in forgiveness work as well isn't it it's mm, like yeah. it's, it's a gift to yourself it, uh, you know it's letting go of all of that anger and resentment that's not really serving you, you know, 
the uh, at, at the end of the day, that person that you're holding all that anger to doesn't even realize. You know, yeah. it's it's all it's in your mind. It's not it's not in theirs. Um, <gasps> the um, I'm trying to think where we go on the um, there was actually there was one thing actually I was chatting to you just before about this as well. Um, because I know you 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 deal with um. As well as adults, you also deal with teens a lot in your, in your work as well and about anxiety. And I know this is going to be launching when a lot of children are going back to, uh, to school and a lot of teenagers. Yeah. Um, could you talk just about um, kind of tips for parenting uh, for anxious teenagers? Because we have, we live in a world where a lot more, I think, I don't know if it's screen time. I don't know if it's the, the constant kind of information gathering. But yeah. teenagers these days can be very anxious yeah yeah um it's definitely a big I suppose per issue that kind of comes into therapy rooms yeah um yeah I think I was gonna say would, like would you have tips for just for parents in in general for something that just just to bring some more compassion into it because I know it can be it can be a very stressful time for parents as well as uh, teens yeah yeah I think sometimes it can I mean let's face it be frustrating as well I mean sometimes um it can be hard to understand and I suppose because the teenage brain is a lot different from the adult brain and sometimes we expect them to be able to problem solve and understand the same way that we do um and sometimes it's about accepting you know that okay you're anxious because I suppose a lot of parents uh, and this is there's no judgment here yeah we want they want to fix the problem um and ease the anxiety um but sometimes in doing that it doesn't it doesn't always work you know so how can you be with them in a supportive way without um trying to rationalize or solve the problem all the time because sometimes it's just that they're anxious and that's okay um and you know I suppose a big thing that would come up around anxiety with kids is like maybe going to school or school refusal um and it's like acknowledging the steps that they're taking as opposed to the whole picture like if the if your child can make it into school for an hour you know saying wow that's really great because I know that that's really difficult for you um you know I suppose acknowledging their achieve their achievements because school is a difficult place for a lot of kids um without piling the pressure on them because they if they're suffering with anxiety there's a lot of pressure on them already um, it, it can be tough. My my wife's actually a primary school teacher, and mm-hmm. um, she uses a great analogy uh, for um, people are are struggling like that with school. And she says like it's it's like being afraid of flying and being told you have to go on a flight every single day. Yeah, and it's sure. and it's 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 fairly hard, you know. It is, and the way that our minds react to it is is like that. Mm-hmm. So when you're in anxiety, you're flooded with adrenaline. You're flooded with cortisol, the stress hormone. You know, their body is literally going, get out, there's a fire, you know. So, like, it is that that are, their internal experience is, is, that's what they're experiencing, you know. But you can support them without 
pushing because sometimes when we push, it makes them want to go the other way. Um, and also sometimes it can be hard not to join them in the anxiety as well. Mm-hmm. Of course. You know, anxiety is contagious. <laughs> It kind of it goes back to what we were chatting to at the start, kind of um, that catastrophizing and kind of looking at um, oh geez, if they don't go today, then they, they'll miss this and then they'll go have that. And it's it's uh, I yeah, I can definitely that's I've I've never heard that phrase that anxiety is contagious, but I I, I I'm smiling to myself, going yeah, that's definitely right. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I mean, you know, we feed off each other's nervous systems, so yeah. uh, well what we say is like co-regulation right so if if we can stay as parents as regulated in our own bodies mm-hmm. minds as calm as we can it will help your teenager to regulate too and bring them down from the anxiety but it's it like, can be really difficult <laughs> like mindfulness by osmosis <laughs> exactly exactly but you know um there there are a lot of I suppose, uh, studies that have gone into that yeah. of how we of how we co-regulate you know if we can meet somebody uh, especially parent-child relationships if, yeah. the, if the child can meet parent in a more regulated calm state even if the parent is still worried yeah if you can try and be as calm as possible it'll help it'll yeah. help your, your anxious teenager too Wow, that's that's not only going to help our listeners; it's helping me. I definitely know it will. The um, listen, um, one thing I did, I really wanted to go uh, without talking about um, was I know you've got some uh, it's this group relationship coaching program coming up. Um, yeah. Can you tell me tell me more about that? Because I know that's gonna that's something that will benefit a lot of people listening. Yeah, so I suppose having been a psychotherapist, re- uh, still am a psychotherapist. Uh, relationships are something that is really important uh to all of us um it was interesting they kind of uh they did a study a, a real alongside i think it was in harvard where they were talking about the predictors of like um your quality of life and relationships mm-hmm. was like number one right. for improvements in your quality of life if your relationships are good so i suppose um i coach single women who are sick of getting into toxic relationship cycles and want to build confidence and to find the right person. Um, So as you can imagine, there's a lot of work on yourself and on uh, relationships and communication and boundary setting and um, yeah, how how you relate to yourself and how you relate to other people. So it's interesting that you're saying about toxic relationship cycles um that we often repeat the same patterns um would that be right and would it be about kind of trying to break those those patterns yeah yeah like people say to me i seem to attract the the same type of person and that's the truth you know because um you know depending on i suppose um relationships and experiences maybe growing up um relationships to caregivers that kind of thing we can repeat patterns again and again but like what I was saying at the earlier in the podcast if we're not aware of it it's very difficult to change but when we can make the unconscious conscious and we have an awareness then we can begin to to change 
And it all it all goes back to that awareness. And that's yeah. that's so prevalent all the way through mindfulness is about just bringing and of course we have non-judgment with awareness as well because sometimes yeah. and I'm sure you, you see it a lot um in that when we bring awareness to these inner traits that the self-critic can get very strong and uh yeah. feel like I shouldn't be doing like that and that but sometimes it just is what it is and that it's but it's by bringing the awareness to it allows us to break those patterns and um there was a great um uh, phrase that there was um i went on a treat a few years ago with uh, a man called david g um if anyone's familiar not familiar with his meditations i definitely say look up insight timer and david g and um he is just amazing he's got he looks like santa claus and he's got the most velvet voice but he had a, a phrase called um interrupt or introducing a pattern interrupt so it's about just breaking that cycle and uh, just gradually over time, just introducing a very small way of breaking, bring, obviously you need to bring awareness to it, but then bringing in those 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 abilities just to break those patterns in a safe and uh, safe way. Yeah. And like, um, you know, how can you heal, I suppose, the relationship with yourself? How can you give yourself the things that maybe you didn't get yeah. that might um, then come into your relationships too because if you are more at peace with yourself you have a better relationship with yourself you're going to attract better relationships into your life yeah it's amazing there's one question i have i'm nearly forgetting to ask and i have to ask it because i've asked it for since episode one and um it's a question i ask every single person and the just for anyone who's new to the podcast the reason i ask the question i'm about to ask is because a lot of people think that mindfulness is one way that it's just literally you sit in the corner, you meditate and it's not. And I am just overwhelmed by the different interpretation that nearly every person I've talked to uh, has about this. And um, the question is, uh, what does mindful living mean to you? Uh, so what would it be like to live a mindful life? Living more in the present. Mm -hmm um with less judgment and more compassion <laughs> yeah Beautiful. That's, that's what, yeah what it means for me and it's it's amazing that so many people take different parts of it i think um i think compassion is one of the most underrated thing uh mm -hmm. out there uh that it's it's something that i went on after i i studied about teaching mindfulness i also studied about compassion and you mentioned uh christine f earlier on and um if anyone who's not familiar i definitely recommend uh looking her up uh there's a great short practice called the uh self-compassion break it's three minute uh very short practice that um christine um uh, created and it's brilliant for again breaking that pattern just breaking down that cycle of anxiety as well yeah. in that um listen i've really enjoyed our conversation i know that the listeners will uh really enjoy it if anybody wants to get in contact with you um what's the best way to, to get in contact with you uh, yeah, so I'm on social media. So <laughs> um, I have I'm on um, Facebook at Sinead K Coaching and um, Sinead Kennedy underscore underscore Coaching on Instagram, or you can just email me the old, old fashioned way. <laughs> hello. Oh, sorry. Hello. What I'll do, I'll, I'll put, I have a show notes page and I'm going to put all of those details in. So if you are looking to contact Sinead, definitely get in contact with the with show notes on this page. It'll be a link in the podcast above. 
and um, definitely you will learn so much from Sinead. I've I really enjoyed our conversation. Uh, so listen, thank you so much for being on the Mindful Living Guide. No problem. Thanks, Stephen. So there you have this week's episode with Sinead Kennedy. Listen, thank you again for your patience over the last few months uh, when I took a break uh, from the podcast. I'm always uh, heartened by the amount of people that uh, contact me uh, for each season and um, say how much that the episodes have made a difference to them. Um, I met some amazing people that uh, say that the, this podcast has become part of their daily commute. And uh, for that, I'm extremely grateful. Um, we have some great things coming up. I'm working on um, on a great journal at the moment, actually. And uh, it's going to be part of uh, an amazing 75-day course uh, that is coming up uh, in the next couple of months. Uh, so I'll have more information on that in future episodes. Uh, but for now, listen, um, please share this episode. Uh, it's been a while since we had one out, so I would appreciate uh, getting this out to as many people as possible so we can get the, the traction up again. Um, while we were on a break, uh, we reached 10,000 uh, downloads on the podcast, which is an amazing achievement and something I'm always, always grateful for. So thank you so much for always listening. Uh, I'm Stephen Downey and this has been the Mindful Living Guide.